Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. I'm trying to use the phone! It's time for another Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. And man, oh man, are we in for a wild ride. I'm Nikki Dakota, joined in the studio today by the Nitrate Film Archivist at the Library of Congress and the largest fame, frame brain, famed frame brain, having seen 7,642,312 movies. He is a film guy and our friend. Welcome, George Willeman. That's my name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> also in the studio today, he is the storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers, drawn every movie since Raisin, Arizona, right through to the present, and many, many other movies that we know and love. He is our friend and the other film guy. He's J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, welcome. I'm just so happy to be here. <laughs> it's nice to have you. And we are gathered together today to celebrate a perfect movie, indeed. <laughs> You know you like gathering together for this. You know you do. You know you do. And this time it's a true adventure. <laughs> Tell us, gents, what are we what are we up to today? About five foot six. And yeah. oh well, yes, yeah, so we talk about an eighties phenomenon, phenomenon. A phenomenon that launched many many people's careers, many who are still with us, cranking them out. Yes, in and a this big, is, very big way, uh, the director is still with us. Yes, this is uh, Tim Burton's first feature film, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Starring Paul Rubens as Pee-wee Herman. Also in this movie is the one and only Danny Elfman doing the score, who you will not be able to escape from at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> There is not a commercial on about Christmas or the holiday season that is not done by Danny Elfman. But I'll still remember him from his Oingo Boingo days. Oh, me too. Oh, Dead Man's yes. Party. Dead Man's oh, Party. Oh man, what a great one. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of no people wonder. are gonna a lot of people are gonna take a swipe at us on this one, but you know what? We don't care because we got rules for this sort of thing and as far as we're concerned. Pee-wee's big adventure creates the world that it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, Pee-wee's big adventure retains its meaning and entertainment value. And the big adventure will never be placed in any preferential or numerical order. It is perfect within its own scale. Yeah, so... If you guys don't like it, just make your own rules. That's <laughs> make what your I'm... own list. Or we'll, yeah. just, we'll just invoke Rule 5 on you. <laughs> I'm telling you, this movie has touched a lot of people. We're not saying that's a good thing, but it has touched a lot of people. Are you has, saying improperly touched There has a lot been of some touching involved with this movie. We're talking. <laughs> we haven't even gotten into the exhibition aspects oh, man, of this movie. <laughs> We're already going blue. <laughs> but okay. something that you... Well, it's just how this all started. This it character is. started yeah, out of stand-up. I think stand we just up. got into the... the did we just alert people to the end of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> did we not? This was did beyond we? the end of this movie, I, yes. Is it... Um, is no, it, no, 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 we, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. 
Um, but yeah, let's you know, let's let's go back before we even even talk about the film itself, where this whole thing comes from. Paul Rubens, uh, along with Phil Hartman, um, were both members of a, a comedy troupe called The Groundlings. And at that, at some point in their their career, there, Paul Rubens came up with this man child character, Pee Wee Herman. And back in the late seventies, early eighties, yeah, late seventies actually, they did a live stage version called the Pee Wee the Pee Wee Show, and and it was it was recorded and broadcast on um, on HBO, I believe, and it was a huge hit. And it is done as a children's afternoon television show, <laughs> a, a parody, if a you parody, will, because yes. it's not appropriate for children. Um, but and however. <laughs> Tinges of adultness came through when Pee-wee started appearing on David Letterman. (laughs) And he would go camping with David Letterman, and they would use back screen projection of Pee-wee driving a car. (laughs) And and he would this man, Paul Rubens, God bless him, he would not break his character. I love this guy. And uh, him and Letterman, Letterman, he would just drag Letterman through this character, and, and they would put one of those blankets up on a clothesline, and they would camp. (laughs) <laughs> this was on Letterman way back in the 80s, you know, uh, believe it or not. And, and that's one of the things that kind of snowballed this crazy Pee Wee Herman character. That's right. And, and and he kept it going for quite a while. After this film, there was a, a much less successful attempt to do a sequel. But then after that was Pee Wee's Playhouse that came on Saturday morning television that was made for children, although lots of adults watch it too. Oh my heavens! I was introduced to it by adults. They're like, "Oh, yeah. you have to see this. You and must." And I believe watch that even this. even people who are now uh, uh, highly respected actors, like I believe Lawrence Fishburne was on it. I he think, certainly was. He played the cowboy. Cowboy Cow. And, and of course, Phil Hartman, who was involved in the original, he was the sea captain. I think he, I think he was Captain Carl on captain that one too. Carl. Yeah. And a lot of buxom women. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were really, men. really stepping over that line and daring you to say, didn't you see it? Did you not see me step over the line? And yeah. they jumped right back over it, you know. Well, and even even to the very end, I mean, after it all kind of fell apart when, when Paul Rubens had his problems down in Florida, which we won't go into, but won't. they were kind of tacky. Look them up on the internet. Yeah. No, we, we do have not. a clip of that? Yeah, no, I don't, we don't think so. And, uh, <laughs> I do, but I do, later, remember but... Hearing, I do remember hearing that, like, just days... <laughs> Just days after his rather humiliating arrest down in Florida, he appeared again either on Letterman or The Tonight Show in character as Pee Wee Herman. And I think the first thing he said when he came out was, has anyone heard any good jokes lately? You know, so. (laughs) Well, at least he's a good sport. And he is now working to rebuild this and bring Pee Wee back in the live If you look online, it lists uh, Pee Wee's uh, next adventure or something, 2011. Yeah. So um, there's something afoot. But this was sort of like a medium stage then of the development of that character. It was after Mm -hmm. the blue period. And and, and the movie came before the series. And this was like the first sort of cleaning it up and putting it out there. And it's fabulous it is a great great movie engaging two adults and children right it's it's whole design element is really garish and it stays consistently garish all the way through to the point where you start appreciating it and uh, the music and the zaniness it it never ever ever exceeds its own scale well and the thing that's so great about ever. it is that it it dares to be stupid yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. and and you find yourself because yeah i mean the some of the jokes and some of the things that go on are just Dumber than whatever, but it works so well. But look at the presentation, you know. The presentation is so over the top. So your setup is right there. (laughs) Um, The spooky part about it is that 
This is 19, uh, what's the 84, year? I believe. 84. And this is when 85. a lot of baby boomers are getting there. And he's taking all this culture that he grew up and he's throwing it out on the floor for you to trip over. <laughs> right. I mean, you yeah. can't get around it. It's all there. Everything that we 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 were charmed by growing up in the 60s and the 50s and 50, 70s. Yeah. And I mean, Pee Wee is kind of a combination of Pinky Lee, uh, Howdy Doody, and Captain Kangaroo. You know, yeah, and he forces you to you watch that. him. That's you know? good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the movie has a, a, a really wonderful plot too. The action takes us through some completely delightful and very memorable scenes, and it all starts with it all starts with with Pee Wee getting up in the morning, and you know he's going out for a day, and he's got his bicycle, which is just. This a beautiful, oh, amazingly so cool. Nice. I don't know if it's an actual bicycle or if it was something that was put together for the movie. It's it almost looks too like beautiful. A, a, an old car with fins version yeah. of a bicycle. Yeah, they I mean, made a bunch of those bikes. Western Auto used to make. No, not quite that garish, but yeah. it was in that vein. It's it's really kind of tarted up to you know just be the amazing bicycle. But you can see he's a unique individual. He gets up and he pushes he has, some button in the you know like this crazy contraption. Well, he's got his Rube Goldberg to... breakfast machine. <laughs> yeah. He has an indeterminate age. Yeah, yeah. his spirit has has no blemishes he just you know corks right on life and he reminds me sometimes like what you said about curly curly couldn't get his dialogue right so he made a lot of funny noises and you'll see that <laughs> that peewee doesn't say too much in sentences uh, he makes a lot of noises <laughs> and i remember everybody <laughs> imitated him you go into like a store to buy some milk okay i know you are everybody. but what to buy you know yeah <laughs> But but Pee Wee almost immediately runs afoul of uh, Francis. Francis, who's a great character, man. He's like this man child. Yeah, and evil, spoiled, pudgy pudgy man child. Hey, Pee Pee Wee, and um, and he wants to buy Pee Wee's bicycle. Of course, Pee Wee will not sell him the bicycle. Uh, So basically, while Pee Wee is at the magic store buying his, you know. Uh, daily dose of daily magic. Daily dose of magic and, you know, and all these things, which actually some of which come into play later in the movie. Um, his bicycle is stolen and he is just distraught and he enlists everybody in the neighborhood and totally alienates himself from everyone because he gets so wound up about this bicycle. And he goes to see a medium who tells him that it's in the basement of the Alamo. <laughs> so, of course, immediately he heads south he he hitchhikes his way south and and gets a ride with a, a prison escape prisoner in a beautiful fifty nine Edsel convertible, which goes over a cliff, and uh, and finally does make it to the Alamo and is laughed out of it when he asks where the basement is. And which, by the way, at the Alamo, uh, Jane Jan Jan Hooks, Hooks, Jan Hooks does this turn really good, as yeah. the guide, and she's can thank you for coming. He starts to say, "Hey, where's the?" And he's like, "Could you please hold your questions until the end?" Mm-hmm. And now there are thousands and thousands of uses for corn, all of which I will tell you about <laughs> now. I mean, that's... she's behind chicken wire. It's yeah, so good. With these really bad, and, and, and that's just it. The you know the whole the whole thing is decorated with these really bad mannequins that look like something out of an old jc pennies and they're all very anglo looking although they're supposed to be mexican mannequins you know so many vignettes in here are so good and, and among those really that's just worth the price of admission is is jan hook's right. turn and there. at one point he gets a ride with a lady trucker oh. who tells him this horrible story about this this hideous accident that killed this woman and it's large marge which are 
our once and former famous car. Yeah, we call that it we large used to have. Mark. It was called Large Marge. <laughs> and everybody and, liked it because they remember Pee Wee. Uh huh. And so Large Marge drops him off at this restaurant, this truck stop restaurant. Gives him a coin. Gives him a coin, and and he goes in and tells him that Large Marge sent him. And they're all, <gasps> you know, and it's like you you know you rode with her ghost, and you know. And, but this is where he <laughs> she meets. She died in a gruesome accident. He meets yeah. one of the the few characters that he actually gets to interact with, and in sort of regular basis, and. Um, it's a waitress named Simone, and and it, and they have one of the few kind of quiet, thoughtful scenes in the movie, where the restaurant is closed, and he's had to stay there to to wash dishes because his money he's lost his money, and when they're done, she asks him to go and watch the sunrise. Well, it turns out, and of course, in weird Pee Wee Land, that to watch the sunrise, they go up inside this really kind of bad looking plaster. Uh, dinosaur T-Rex and they sit in his mouth they sit on his tongue and watch the sunrise and they have this little conversation about dreams do you have any dreams yeah I'm all alone I'm rolling a big donut and this snake wearing a vest no not that kind of dream I mean a dream you dream about all the time it keeps you going, dreaming about it, hoping it'll come true. Did you ever have a dream like that? To find my bike. My dream is to live in the city of eternal love. Paris, France. You'll get there, Simone. Oh, I don't know. Why not? What's stopping you? Well, Andy for one. Who's Andy? My boyfriend. He's real jealous. He flunked French in high school and thinks that everything over there is set up to make guys like him look dumb. Well, I bet if he knew how important it is to you, he'd change his mind. No, he won't. Simone, this is your dream. You have to follow it. I know you're right, but... But what? Everyone I know has a big butt. Come on, Simone, let's talk about your big butt. Are you looking at my butt? <laughs> what are you trying to infer with that clip, Mr. Willowman? Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. He's in the terms of yes, but. Er- when I came in here, everybody butt. was looking at my butt and smiling, and I had no idea that you are using this clip. Now I understand. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. We're talking about the 1985 perfect movie, Pee Wee's Winchester, Big Adventure. Winchester 73 on drugs. That's what this movie is. <laughs> it is a perfect movie on Filmically Perfect on 91.3. And um, it was kind of like ground zero for a lot of cool work from a lot of people. And I keep thinking, you know, this being Tim Burton's first feature film and how how light it was everything that he did later literally became darker in tone but also in actual lighting well i also think this the reason this one's a bit lighter in tone and lighting is is tim burton at this time really had only the two shorts that he had done for disney vincent and frankenweenie under his belt and in this case i think he was more of a, a director for hire um, because I remember seeing this in the theater and not really knowing. I you know, didn't know who Tim Burton was. I, it didn't even really strike me. I mean, I'll I went because what, it was Pee Wee Herman. You know, he really set the tone for his future work. And I'm not criticizing uh, Tim Burton detrimentally. He uh, 
He's very, very short on story on everything he does and heavy on style. Mm-hmm. Edward Scissor's hands. Uh, almost everything he does, the story is is really it's a secondary. Small, to yeah, the... it's more of the style of Tim Burton that that can, you kind of ride through. The he picture. is yeah. He, he is the triumph, fish, right? The and... triumph of style over substance. Uh, yeah. he, he is always short on story. Not a lot of people think that's an insult, but it really isn't because. He's just a different kind of filmmaker, and he really shows us what style in the cinema right. is well, all about. And because as a filmmaker, I mean, his background is is animation and art. And, and if you look at, at some of the dream sequences in this one and compare them with some of the, the wild sequences in something like Beetlejuice, um, you will see the same, you know, sort of askew... Uh, lines in the sets, you know, that he loves. He loves the vertical uh, images. um, Patterned floors, diamond patterns on the floors, and and just these things that even appear in in, uh, the Vincent cartoon from that he did when he was at Disney. And now my favorite thing by Tim Burton, this is really good, but my personal favorite is Ed Wood because I think that he made (laughs) Ed Wood look better than Ed Wood could have ever looked. And he did that movie was – that's one of the very few movies that he has done which has a lot of story in it. And then he does it. He executes it very nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything else is – you can – you say what you want about Tim Burton, but you can always tell it's Tim Burton no matter what. Oh, he has such a stamp, such an individual stamp on his work. Yeah, Even from this early age, yeah, he was, he really established. How much so, you can tell that this is early, I mean, but it's still it's still really really good. But you, looking back, I'm sure I wouldn't have thought it at the time. But looking back through his work, you can see that he's just beginning to really figure out what that style is and what that stamp will be. Well, yeah, because like I said on this one, he's also working. You know, he's have he's working for basically for Paul Rubens. And Phil Hartman, who who wrote the script along with the third gentleman, but but I think Hartman and Rubens being as connected through the through the groundlings, this was their baby, and so they had Burton to keep you know keep the things in line and and add his own sort of strange. And they were all roughly the it. same age yeah. when they were oh, doing is this. That right? All those guys are the same age. There's one actor in this movie that you don't hear too much about, and he's really good. He's very in their very short time. It's Mark Holton, who's the rich guy's son. Francis. Yeah. There's one really bizarre image where he's sitting there with all these tigers, and you know, and they're talking about what they're going to do because he has the bike. Yeah. But that whole com- composition of what he's sitting there, and there's the and there's stuffed and tigers right there. Oh, it's just yeah. so bizarre. He was in one of these movies that not too many people appreciate, but it's so scary, and it's uh, it's. Called Gacy, and he plays Gacy, and uh, he is the, the serial killer, John Wayne Gacy, spookiest guy you ever saw in that movie. Really, a well, he's a very <laughs> controlled actor, but he's always, forever, he'll always be, you know, tied to this picture as Francis. No doubt, there's a point I can't remember now exactly how it is that he ends up at the studio. Oh, he sees it on television, the little child star. Right, he ends up in the hospital down in Texas, uh, in one of the sort of classic moments that everyone remembers. He uh, finds his way into a, a Texas roadhouse where a biker gang is celebrating. <laughs> and as you heard right at the beginning of the show, he, he gets really irritated because he can't hear when he's trying to get on the telephone. And that little, I'm trying to use the phone, causes the entire <laughs> biker gang to gang up on him. But he manages to save himself and, you know, and become the sort of the mascot of the gang by doing a dance, a, a silly dance on a table to the song Tequila. <laughs> and he dances and so funny. People with love that weird, dance, man. Like... They just love those shoes. So they, they send him on his way with a motorcycle, where he immediately, but he immediately crashes through a sign, ends up in the hospital. 
uh, has a horrible dream about his bicycle and then sees it on television at Warner Brothers Studio where it has been presented to this rotten little child little actor. Little awful. child star. So he makes his way back to, to Hollywood, to Warner Brothers Studio, and through different machinations gets into the studio and, and gets on the set and takes his takes his bicycle back, which allows this crazy opportunity to sort of almost spoof Hollywood itself because he's you know passing Going through from set, set after set, set, set after set. And incidentally, uh, Milton Berle shows up. Milton Berle shows on up. The, on and the set. and Twisted Sister, the one bit of dating in the whole Dee film Snyder. is D. Snyder and Twisted Sister show up in one scene. You'll hear Very Danny strange. often doing all these cues from every movie you can ever remember growing up through that whole scene. You know, Musical cues. Just or... little cues that he yeah. lays into his music. Also, Tim Burton is a thug in an alley in this movie. You can catch him up front. Oh. He tries to hold him up. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And he, goes, and he kind of turns and goes, Bleh. It is certainly a big adventure. I mean, it really is. And what's nice about this, it has that uh, dual appeal, whereas uh, we've talked recently about uh, uh, Chuck Jones and how he those, those were not made for children, <laughs> those cartoons. But this... Um, I think that it was made for both. Don't I you think, think it is. They were There's constantly a... arguing with themselves, well, this part's for kids and this part's for adults. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely enough there to keep the kids interested, but there's also enough kind of uh, adult-oriented material, like the, the some of the scenes with Simone and uh, and some of the other stuff that, that, that will keep the adults interested, too. When you see a movie like this, a lot of times you're affected by its production design, and the guy that did this was David Snyder. This the production design of this movie is this movie when you look at it. Mm-hmm. When you see their concept drawings and everything, and then when it comes to life, because I think a lot of great production designers, they really get involved in stuff when they have good directors. Like Burton always has a very particular look in his movies, like George was talking about. And most of these art directors, the production designers, work very closely with these directors and they come up with these beautiful, beautiful production designs that you see you remember this stuff the bright colors the reds and remember in the beginning when they have all those he comes down that crazy you know his land his yeah his house his it's house red everything his... about it is almost uh, cartoonish and and exaggerated I mean, that's a very heavily production designed picture you mm-hmm. know with this stuff and that bike total production design it's huh. beautiful makes me want one well even the whole little walking mall where he goes it looks like something out of a movie i don't i'm i believe it is a real <laughs> mall out there somewhere but i they tarted it up quite a bit too <laughs> lest we not uh lest we not uh remember that he does a lot of gags in this picture that big yeah. chain gag where he just keeps doing it and then the cut to the it's very very uh Silent movie-ish, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of really goofy, goofy side gags. And what's really interesting, this and this talks more about the sort of the idea of how the film was shot. The film, when you see it now, if you get the DVD of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, it is in the, the sort of the standard screen ratio now of 1.85 to 1, meaning that the width is almost twice the height. So it's a, it's a big rectangle. It, it'll fit very nicely on your new high-definition television. <laughs> but back when it was first released on video, both on, on videotape and Laserdisc, they showed it unmatted. Now, what that means is when they shot the film, they shot it on standard 35-millimeter film, but they had marks for the cameraman to keep track of in his viewfinder uh, safe marks where, you know, this, this part of the image... Inside the safe marks would be seen on the screen. Anything outside of that would not be seen. And this is why you see a lot of microphones and junk showing up in films because 
they're showing the films in the wrong aspect ratio without the masking on them to cover up the junk that's not supposed to be seen. The filmmakers know it's there, yeah. but it's not supposed to be seen. It's like and ground it, glass. And on in the this camera. and in this film, there are two notorious times. And if you get the DVD, uh, there's a commentary by Burton and Paul Rubens, and they talk about this even because in the chain gag. On his bicycle, he has little baskets on beside on you know like saddlebags beside the wheels, and he opens one and he starts pulling this humongous chain out. And there's just yards and yards and yards and yards of this huge chain it just keeps coming, coming, coming. And when you see it in one eight five, it's very effective. It's this funny little magic gag. If you see it on the VHS or laserdisc, it's very obvious because you can see the hole in the bottom of the saddlebag <laughs> and the chain piled up on the ground as he's doing it. That's funny. Yeah. Some and guys, some guys don't take a chance. They'll put the mat box. They'll make they'll the, force a mat. Yeah, yeah. they'll make the force a mat on the camera. Right, so and they the, don't. Uh, the other one, that. the other one, which I which I must put in here is uh, there's a scene, the scene in the in the Edsel when they're driving at night, and as he's driving down the road, they they drive by road signs, and then you know they're like the first one is like a turn, and then there's like this really silly curly cue turn, and then rocks falling, and the rocks immediately fall. <laughs> well, again, if you see it on this one, you see the hood of the car, and you see the sign, and them driving by the sign. If you see it on the unmatted version, you see the signs on little dollies with like track laid down being pulled with a rope because the car's sitting still. It's called poor man's process. And the, and the <laughs> That's what it's signs called. are being dragged by. And you can very easily see, you know, it, it, again, it has ruined the illusion, but it has sort of almost surrealistic. It still kind of fits in with Pee Wee's world. Right. They do that constantly when they shoot cars on sound stages and what you can't see is like what he's saying always little lights that are going around the camera and that's mm-hmm. we did that a lot so it'd be like Fargo. street lights or uh-huh. street lights or someone yeah. poor man's process you'll have someone standing with like a tree branch and every like every 45 seconds they'll wave the tree branch past the light to look like you're going under a tree you know Poor man's process. You know, what you can't learn on Filmically Perfect. We're talking about the perfect <laughs> movie, movie, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the uh, Tim Burton's first feature film out in 1985. And um, certainly the rules are, are, are cinched up here. If you don't count the occasional, like the, okay, rule number two, sustaining that, um, sustaining the world. If you if you get to see the matted version, then you're good. There might right. be an occasion. I don't think it's going to watch an old VHS or the, the fabled laser disc, you're going to, the magic will be gone in some movies it would absolutely wreck the effect but i don't really think it's going to slow you down on this picture believe me (laughs) there's so much cultural reference i mean i think it's so funny about the large marge and that that whole like spook story about you know well she died here and ride with the ghost there's so many variations on that and so many of the little details and the the love of a boy for his bike and and before we go we have to mention when Warner Brothers at the end, the the dream seat, the, you know, the totally Duzemakina kind of ending, where um, they make Warner Brothers makes a film called Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and but they recast it. <laughs> they recast uh, uh, Pee Wee is played by James Brolin, and Dottie, who the actual Dottie in the film, his his girlfriend of sorts, is played by E. G. Daly. <laughs> and it's played by um, Morgan, Morgan Fairchild. And of course, really they call it And then Pee Wee does get to do a little cameo as a bellhop, but they redub his voice, so it's like, Mr. Herman calling Mr. Herman. <laughs> but he doesn't care. He loves it. He loves being on screen. Gentlemen, we have reached the end of another Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. And uh, I love it. I love this film. Kids love it. Adults love it. And it's uh, it's definitely uh, so something know, you got to say it's baby boomers looking in their rearview mirror and the sewage is backing up. <laughs> <on them. laughs>
very fast. <laughs> and gentlemen, we are just about out. Hey, thank you, J. Todd Anderson, for being here. Always my pleasure. And George Williman. Love it. Just love it. Stay tuned. More Filmically Perfect's coming your way on 91.3 WISO. Gentlemen, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.